Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, Michelle. while we were singing that last hymn that sometimes some of you might not want to sing louder because you might hit the wrong note. Keep this in mind. I think the same thing, but I'm miked. Um, <laughs> um, it's good to have all you here. <clears throat> Thanks for putting up with me too. Um, I want to speak today a message that's called No Shortcuts. And so I want to begin with a simple riddle. Anybody good at riddles? No? <laughs> Jack, you're shaking your head, no? Okay. <laughs> the humble pray for it. The arrogant think they have it. The rich attempt to buy it. The despairing feel it is unattainable. Those who have it take it for granted. Those who don't have it crave it. Armies fight for it. World leaders talk about it. When established by human means, it is fleeting and unstable. When it is given by God, it is secure and it is eternal. What is it? Peace. One of the most sought-after things in life. True peace is not something that we can produce on our own, though it's the topic of every diplomatic effort around the world. The reason why true peace in the world cannot happen is simply because man and woman are involved in the transaction. Though much of society is good-intentioned, all of humanity suffers from one thing that prevents the follow-through of perfect peace. That one thing is our sin nature. As hard as some people work and fight to establish peace, there are just as many people who are working overtime to disrupt any efforts towards peace. Do you know what I'm talking about? And this reality of our world is no different than the struggle for peace within each of our individual lives as well. No matter how hard we try, no matter how many resolutions we make, no matter how much we ask for help from others, none of us can stay at that plateau of peace in our lives for very long. Our sin nature that all of us have is constantly warring against the efforts of our spirit, trying to disrupt the flow, attempting to slow down our momentum, and ultimately hoping to force us off the road which leads to God. If you think that no good man or woman of God has ever failed in battle against struggles and temptations and strongholds that you too often fall victim to, then you obviously haven't read much of the Bible. Even the most renowned men and women of faith struggled miserably in their shortcomings and downright sin. Jacob was a cheater. Peter had a temper. David had an affair. Noah got drunk and passed out. Jonah ran from God. Moses was a murderer. Miriam was a gossiper. Martha was a worrier. Gideon was insecure. Thomas was a doubter. And Abraham and Sarah were impatient. Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, came to this humbling conclusion in Romans seven fifteen verses 19. He said, For what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. 
But what I hate, that I do. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Such a frustrating revelation that even when we want to do good, we still fall far short, just like Paul. Maybe you can relate to this same struggle, which plagues the best of all men and women of God. Romans 7, 22 and 23. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Ultimately, if we are seeking God in our humility and honesty, we arrive at the same conclusion as Paul. Romans 7.24 O wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will bring peace to the struggles and turmoils in my life? It's only when we get to the end of ourselves, admitting that we don't have the answer, that we are powerless and incapable of securing peace for ourselves, that we truly realize the despair that we are in. Oh, wretched man. Oh, wretched woman or child that I am. Who will deliver me? It is then that the answer comes like an overpowering light that pierces the darkness. You can see the light piercing Paul's darkness. In the very next verse, as soon as he cries out to God and he gets to the end of himself and says, God, it's hopeless. Who will deliver me? And then God plants a revelation right in his spirit. Romans 7.25 I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. That's the light in the darkness. That's the hope that we have. That's the peace that the world cannot offer. That's Jesus. Only Jesus can bring an everlasting peace. He, di- he died not just for our sins, but for our peace. Isaiah 53, verse 5. A great prophecy of our Lord. It says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. Listen, regardless of what you may have thought or muttered or spoken, the most unfair event to ever happen around this world involving mankind was not God's punishment to us, but rather our punishment that was given to Jesus. It wasn't about us. It's about what He had to carry because of us. He walked this earth and never sinned in word, thought, or deed. And yet He was subject to beatings and mockings and scourgings and ultimately death on the cross. Because of our sins and our transgressions, the pain He suffered on the cross was so bad they had to create a new word. It was called excruciating pain. Excruciating has the word cross in it. It's the pain that He suffered on the cross. It was excruciating. And He did it for us because He loves us. The punishment that was needed for our peace was given to the One who gave nothing but peace to all that He encountered. It is only by accepting this gift of salvation by faith that we can truly receive a kind of peace that the world cannot give. Jesus said this in John 14.27. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If that's not a word for the day, I don't know what is. 
There's a lot of fear being incited into the world today. There's a lot of fear in world events. Think of all the fear that happened with just the announcement of the storm. There's all this media gets involved. There's so much fear at all time. And Jesus said, I leave my peace with you. It can't go away because His peace comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. God living and residing inside of us. And He's not going anywhere. Jesus gave His peace to us to have. And He says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. See, because of the sacrifice that He willingly made and only because of this personal sacrifice, we now have access to God. Romans 5, verse 1 says, By faith we have been made acceptable to God. And now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. The blood that Jesus shed covers our sins so that we are acceptable in God's sight. I know that we still remember what we've done and we still walk in regret and guilt, but because of what Jesus did for us, when God looks at us, He sees the blood of Jesus that covers all of our sins as white as snow. He doesn't see the things that we so often remind ourselves of. We've been made acceptable in His sight. Therefore, those who have truly appropriated the blood of Jesus in their lives have now been made to live in peace with God. Yet it is a peace that we too quickly forget about and take advantage of and brush off simply because we're much too focused oftentimes on what we're going through instead of acknowledging everything that Jesus went through to bring us peace. Paul goes on to say this in Romans 5.2. He says, Through Christ also... We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. The key word here is access. You see, God doesn't just place us into His presence. He gives us access or a door to walk through if we choose. Many people never choose to walk through that door, but it's open. It's available. Jesus came to die for all. He gives us access. And yet, even though as children have this access, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have chosen to walk through other doors instead of the one provided so graciously for us and at so great a cost. To show us not only the error of our ways, but also to show us how great God's love is for us, God gives us an incredible parable in the Bible. And maybe many of you are not used to it or read it, but this parable is in the Old Testament. It's in the book of Hosea. I want to teach on that today because it's a powerful message of God's love for us even though we mess up. Hosea 1, verse 1, says, The word of the Lord that came to Hosea the son of Beeri in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam the son of Joash, the king of Israel. You see, the word of the Lord came to Hosea. God sought him and pursued him and spoke to him just like he does for all of us now. Now, we cannot always hear God because we have gone astray. But we can be assured that God is ever pursuing us. Even right now, God is pursuing you. He is always out to pursuing his children to bring them closer to himself. God spoke to Hosea at a time when there was great tribulation in the land. In fact, the kingdom had been divided into Israel and Judah. In a parallel sense, it's much like us. When we are divided with our loyalties to God and the world, God comes to us and challenges us to respond. The challenge that He gave to Hosea did not make any sense. 
If you ever had something that happens in your life and you think, God, I have no idea, it doesn't make sense, I would bet you it pales in comparison to what God asked Hosea to do. It didn't make any sense in Hosea's perspective, but from God's perspective, it made perfect sense. Let me check on this. God told Hosea to marry Gomer, but Gomer would be a very different bride. Hosea 1, verse 2. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Gomer was a promiscuous woman. She was a prostitute. You want me just to go to this mic up here? Gomer was a promiscuous woman and a prostitute. One who would be unfaithful to Hosea. Why would God tell Hosea to go marry a prostitute? One who would be unfaithful to him. God spoke to Hosea and through Hosea and through Hosea as a prophet to his people. The relationship between Hosea and Gomer would be prophetic in describing the relationship between God and Israel. Gomer, the unfaithful bride, was a picture of Israel who left the promises and the protection of God to go pursue other interests. But before you get too judgmental on the nation Israel, understand that this is also a picture, picture of every one of us who have not been completely faithful to following God in all we do. But this living parable would not be focused so much on Gomer, the unfaithful bride, as it would be centered on Hosea, who would relentlessly pursue his bride and continue to bring her back home. For in this marriage, Hosea represented God's relationship to us. You see, the only way that God could explain one of the most amazing things about Himself was to give this prophetic example. What He's saying is this. No matter how unfaithful you are, God's heart is always about pursuing you to bring you back to Himself. Bring you back to a place of intimacy, to bring you back to a place of peace with Him. Hosea and Gomer had children together and life was good for a while until Gomer began to wander off and pursue other lusts outside her marriage. Verse 5, For their mother had played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water and my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. You see, after a while, Gomer strays and runs away from the one who loves her with great devotion, giving her all that she needs as she runs into the arms of others who give her what she wants instead of what she needs. As shameful as Gomer's actions appear, it is more important that each of us see that this is also a picture of us. We leave the presence of God where there is fullness of joy and go to seek after what the world claims to offer. We seek the sensory pleasures, the instant gratifications, the building up the praise of men and women, the things that look and sound appealing, that temporarily gratify the desires of our flesh as we forfeit the deep blessings of God that He grants to our hearts and our souls. 
And when our allegiance and our focus shifts to the world, God has one way to get our attention. He has to lure us away from the distractions and bring us into another location. Listen to where that location is. Hosea 2, verse 14, he says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. You see, that other location that God sometimes has to bring us into is the wilderness. God lures us into the wilderness to talk tenderly to us. In many situations, it is the only way He can get our attention when we have divided our loyalties. He must bring us to a place where our intentions are not to seek our wants, but rather our needs. In other words, we're not to be craving and lusting after the things of the flesh, but rather we need to be hungering and pursuing God and all He has to offer us. What exactly is the wilderness? My bet is that all of us have been there at one time or another. It seems like we've spent a lot of time in the wilderness, but God's in the wilderness speaking tenderly to us. Some of you might be there right now. The wilderness is an extended stay in the difficult seasons of life where trials and tribulations are the norm and not the exception. It's a vacation to go see the pyramids that results in getting lost in the desert. It's a scenic tour of the rainforest that turns into a never-ending safari where you feel that you are being hunted down by all of life's injustices. You are ever running and hiding just to survive. You grow tired of the pressures surrounding you and just barely tumble into the next day waking up to find a worse day than the one you left. Anybody been there besides me? We have this common experience because of what's in us. But greater is He who is in us, meaning our spirit, than greater is He who is in the world. We learn to trust on God and allow God to take us there so He can separate us from the world and give us what we need. His presence, His love, His Spirit, His perfect peace. The wilderness experiences that we face in life are crippling to many and humbling to all. It is here where often God leads us intentionally. Too often we spend all of our energy trying to run out of the wilderness, trying to get back to normalcy or something that we're accustomed to. In the wilderness, times can be incredibly dry because more things are trying to take from us, it seems, rather than give to us. Often when we pray for God to take certain temptations away from us and break relentless strongholds in our lives, we expect that the gnawing temptation to sin is just going to disappear so we can get on with our lives. Yet that's not how and not where God works. In order to break temptation off our lives, God needs to lure us out of our comfort zones and into the wilderness. Yet there is a sanctified method and purpose to what seems like madness to us. God led the Israelites, if you remember, for 40 years directly into the wilderness in order to right their focus. He taught them to be dependent on Him and only on Him. He answered their cries of hunger by giving them what they needed, not just what they wanted. He fed them manna, or bread from heaven. Deuteronomy 8, 2, verse 3, you'll recall this verse because Jesus quoted it. It's the very first Scripture that He quoted. 
It comes from Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3, and it says, And shall, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. Verse 3, So He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna with which you did not know nor did your fathers know that He might make you know, here it is, that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So that we live by need and not by want. When we are in our wilderness or desert experiences, God is faithful to give us our daily bread. In the same way that a mother bird feeds the open mouths of her babies, God gives us what we need every time. But the baby birds learn to keep their mouth shut until the mother bird comes by to give them what they need. Otherwise, they get a whole lot of stuff that was not intended for them. And sometimes our problem is, is we keep our mouths open to the world and our ears open to the world and our souls open to the world and we get a lot of stuff stuffed in, in us that take our peace, or that block that peace and the love from God. Discern, discerning between needs and wants is one of the lessons that we learn in the wilderness. Think of the food that you crave when you're hungry and you need food as compared to the food that you desire when you just want food. There are two different categories. One is solid. It takes longer to prepare. It's life-sustaining and it's more nutritious. The other is quick to satisfy. It's sweet. It's temporarily pleasurable and it's not as nutritious. The same can be said for how God meets our needs as we spend time with Him. Slowly developing patience, persistence, discipline, a rock-solid faith, and the ability to dispense grace and forgiveness in the face of hurt and offense. It's only by going through these desert times in life that we realize what we have taken for granted by not seeking God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. When we have gone astray, God leads us purposefully into the wilderness so that we might come to this very realization. It is exactly how he prophesied that both Gomer and Israel would respond. It is how he desires that we too will respond. Not to keep complaining, not to keep whining, not to keep saying it's how unfair it is. Nothing is unfair as what happened to Jesus. And yet he did it willingly because he loved us. That song I sang earlier said, we love to shout your name, filling up the sky with endless praise. That's what gets God's attention. Because there's a lot of complaining that's filling up the skies right now by people around the world. A lot of fear, a lot of doubt, a lot of complaining. But our job as the body of Christ is to rally around one another across denominational lines and to come together and fill up the skies with praise. And say, God, I praise you and I love you and I trust you. I don't know what's going on and I don't understand it and maybe I don't, but that's okay because I know that you do. God, we, I praise you. That's what God is looking for from His people. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He knows you're going to mess up. I mess up all the time. God's just looking for us to call out to Him and say, God, I trust you. And we have access to His presence at any time. Amen? Once we realize that God has led us into the wilderness, 
We stop blaming everything and everyone else when we are open to God to speak comfort to us. Notice how God speaks to and through Hosea about waiting for Gomer and Israel and each of us to respond. Hosea 5, verse 15 says, I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their offense. And then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. You see, the whole goal of the body is not to just keep seeking after God's hand and what He can give to us, but to just seek His face. That's someone that says, I want my relationship with God more than anything else I'm asking. I want to seek His face. I want to know You, God. I want to intimately know You. When your heart beats, I want to feel it. When you breathe, I want to, I want to hear your breath. When you move, I want to make a move with you. I want, to, I want to know you, God. That's what God is waiting to hear from us, from all of us. Where are you right now? Are you in the middle of a wilderness? Have you taken advantage of the open access to God by chasing after the things of the world? Assuming that this door will always be open to you? Genesis 6.3 says this, The Lord said, My spirit will not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Heed this warning, for God says this access, this door to salvation will not be open forever. If God is leading us into the wilderness, then we need to take it seriously. If we take an honest assessment of ourselves, it's possible that some of us may either be in the middle of the wilderness right now or maybe about to head into one. I don't know. I just know that we've got to take it seriously. If this is you, there's only one way to find the oasis of living water which restores you and gives you hope. In our affliction, we must earnestly seek God, our Heavenly Father, who doesn't just call us His creations, He calls us His children. Only God can give us perfect peace. Only He can give us hope. Only God can break the bondage of shame and guilt that our sinful nature tries to put on us daily. Only God, our Heavenly Father, can give us what we truly need. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ, that is who. Hosea 6, verses 1 and 2. Come. Let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us, and on the third day, He will raise us up that we may live in His sight. Listen, the first day represents entering into a drawn-out trial in your life. The second day is when you get lost in the desert and the pressures of complaining and looking for a way out. But it's after the two days or on the eve of the third day, symbolically when we realize that we are lost without Him, where we realize our life has no meaning if He is not front and center in all we do. It is this realization that revives us and prepares us for the third day. For it is on the third day that He will raise us up, just as He rose up Jesus on the third day. He will give us hope. He will give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. It is this peace that we receive when we repent and come to Him and return to Him and choose to stay in His presence. 
that allows us to live in His light. Hosea 6.3 Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. See, the prophet Hosea now responds with a call to all who have made the decision to repent and return to the Lord. Let us seek to know Him. To truly know Him intimately. That's what this church is about. It's about coming together to know God. Let us seek to know Him. Let us choose to pursue the knowledge of Him in the same way that He pursues us relentlessly. Wherever you are right now, God has His sights set on you. Regardless how hopeless or how dry you may feel in any unexpected season, God is preparing for you an incredible journey. Don't resist it, especially if you don't understand it. His plan is not to take you into the wilderness and dump you there allowing you to figure it all out. To be right standing with God, He has a plan to put you on the perfect trajectory that leads directly to His heart. Your destination must pass through the wilderness. There are no shortcuts. But know that He desires to take you through the wilderness so that you cry out to Him and to Him alone. He desires to rewire your discernment and renew your focus to hunger after needs instead of wants. Last verse, Philippians 4, 19 and 20. A great promise that we have from God. It says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the promise of Your Word. We thank You to give us strength to be able to trust You in times that we don't understand. When things don't make sense, when we are in the wilderness, Lord God, I thank You, God, that You take us out of the world and we're out of our, away from our distractions so that we can get to know You. It's our heart to know You now. And so as we reflect on this song, I pray that You would continue to speak to each one of us.